from the book of Isaiah, chapter 47, verse 17. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. Welcome to Crown Call Chosen Live Bible Study. Good evening, everybody. Good night from Guyana, as we say it. Um, I thank the Lord for you guys, and the Lord richly bless you. Before we go any further, let's go in a word of prayer. And before that, our scripture reading tonight is from Genesis chapter 2. We're, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead. But let's have a word of prayer. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you that we are being redeemed tonight because of your spirit, because of your son. And Father, because we are redeemed, we take the authority that you have given us and we are redeemed from sickness. We are redeemed from stress. We are redeemed from fear in the day. We are redeemed from fear in the night. Father, we are redeemed from bondage. We are redeemed from sickness and disease. We are redeemed from any kind of thing that the enemy is plotting because the redeemer, the goal, have his way, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Have his way in us. Father, we cover our family members, whether they're on the roadway, the highway, the byway, at home. We cover our home with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're powering that blood, they're evidence in the blood. And the mention of your name, the mention of the name Yeshua HaMashiach, which is Jesus. Everything has to submit. Everything has to obey in the name of Jesus. And we commit every person, our family members, every wife, every ministry on this line, every person, every husband, every ch children, our child, and all the family represented here and those that are on their way and those that will be listening. And we commit our spirit into your hands because you are our redeemer. And Father, tonight we thank you, oh God, that you said you are a sheet and our buckler. Lord, I ask that you open our ear gates, our eye gates, our, the eyes of our understanding. Lord God, everything that is in us that is not of you, we ask for mercy. Cleanse us and wash us with hyssop, oh God. And let your righteousness be upon us tonight, Heavenly Father. We thank you for victory. We thank you for deliverance coming through your word because of the mention of your it brings light light which is truth in the name of jesus we pray amen 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 amen, amen. tonight i would love to have some readers we're going to be reading as i said from genesis chapter mm -hmm. two so i'm going to ask if someone can take and don't be shy Gen um, Genesis chapter 2, two from verses 1 to the meeting. I'll put it this way because we're going to break it up in maybe in parts. Let's do from somebody do from verses 1 to 10. And then, okay, from verses 1 to 8 and somebody from 8 to 24. Do I have any readers? I can do. Yes, I can do from 1 to 8. Thank you very much, Diane. Okay, the dude. You'll do from 8 to 24. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. 
and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day. And the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to, to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Did you do it? Okay. Starting in verse 9, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Thank you very much. So I have my version of the Bible is the NLT version. And it says that so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. The seventh day, God wrapped up everything. Creation was complete. Everything was parted. 
the light give way, the darkness give way to light, the spirit of God move. Well, everything that God, the creation of him, itself was completed. And that's what we call the, the day. It will be a day where you call it. And then the Bible said he rested and from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day. The word rested, in me, rested means to ease. He did not ease. And all his work, from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it is, it was the day when he rested from all the work of creation. The seventh day is always the day that is called rest. And you, we all know there, there are other religions that observe this day as the day of rest. Because they call it the Sabbath day. Because God labored for six days. He was in, there are times when you're going to be laboring, but there's a time when rest has to come. No matter how much we labor, we will have a time of rest. No matter how much we struggle and we are toiling and we are laboring, there are times when we have to come into the rest of God. So God labored for six days, bringing creation into existence. Let this be, let that happen. Creating man, all of these things. But God was so strategic that he ended every single thing on the sixth day. But on the seventh day, he said, it's my time to rest. But then again, I don't want to jump this far. We will see whereby man has fallen from that place of rest or that place of peace because it, cause it can also mean the place of peace. So as we go further on, then this accounted, the Bible said, verses 4, this is the account of creation of heaven and earth. It's in heaven and on earth. I asked the question, I, I think I asked the question in the first time when we were having um, our first, when we first started Genesis, where God reside. But it was the creation of the heavens and the earth. And if we notice something, I want to give a comparison. We see that Jesus Christ labored throughout before coming up to the time whereby his death, the sixth day. But on the seventh day, it was totally different. And if you notice, and I think we we all watch, we know about you know the the different movies about the death of Christ, and at before sunset they try to take him down from the cross, because at sunset, as I said to you guys, it begins the new day. In biblically, sunset starts the new day, and that was creating the seventh day. So he had to come down and go in the tomb, and it means the place of arrest. So after God finished laboring. And he was toiling, he was doing this, bringing everything into existence. There always comes a place of rest. It always comes in where no matter how much we are trying to do this and trying to do that, we must come to that place whereby we rest. And the same thing as I said with Christ. Because he came as a new creation, but in the seventh day, he had to rest and he had to rest in a tomb. But let's go farther. But I want to leave you with something. We always have to leave the sixth day. And we always have to enter, no matter how much we, where we at in our life. We always have to leave the sixth day. The sixth day could mean the struggles. As I said, it can mean your labor. It can mean your work. And come into the Sabbath, which is the rest of God. The ease of God. And it's prophetically called the seventh day. Let's go to the, the the very spicy part of this story tonight. 
Adam and Eve. And when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor rain was growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain. Let us examine the scripture clearly. God made the heavens and the earth, neither wild plants nor grain were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not sent rain. No matter how much we sow something, unless we are watering, unless we are speaking into that thing, put, pouring the water, releasing prayers, because your prayers are like water, it will not grow. But we see here something, God created everything, but yet still, the rain was not there. And what rain represents? Rain represents life. The pouring out of something. The pouring out. Let, let, let me bring this way in a comparison. We have the pouring out of the Spirit of God. That's the rain. The Spirit of God raining on us. And we have rain. The difference now of, with the rain is that there's a pouring out. Whenever there's a pouring out, rain pours down from the sky. And it gives life to the land. Everything was there, but yet still, the Bible said, for the Lord had God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. So you see, it's a twofold thing. The water is there, but where are the people? I think they have a. I think they have a scripture that say, um, I'm trying to get a direct word. I think it's the crops are, but the laborer are few. Don't quote me on this. I think they, it's a particular scripture where it says that the harvest is ripe, yes, and the laborers are few. But look at this. God did not send rain on the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the earth. There was no rain on the earth to water the earth. And there was no people to cultivate the soil. So it's a twofold thing. It has to have the rain, but yet it has to have somebody cultivating the soil digging into the soil sowing into the soil and the rain coming it's the rain and still it has to have the cultivation instead spring came up from the ground and water all the land he is god all by himself he is god all by himself spring came up this is god this is his work even though they didn't have no man or no there was no people to cultivate the soil there was no rain he always has a strategy he always has something in place we cannot beat god and that's who god is he said the spring came up and water all the land then the lord god formed man from the dust of the ground he breathed the breath the breath of life into the man's nostril and the man became a living person. My God. Without the breath of God, we cannot stand. I know I'm, I, I'm not just only talking about all the bread that we breathe. But, but without the spirit of God, I tell you this here tonight. We cannot stand unless we have the breath of God, which is the spirit of God blowing into us. We might look like we're standing or people might look like they're standing. But unless you have the breath of God in you. You cannot stand. Let's go back to the scripture. God, the Lord God formed the man from the dust. Yes, he formed him, but there's something missing. He breathed the breath of life into the man. And let's take a, let's take a walk to a particular scripture here. Remember when God said to Ezekiel, these dry bones live. 
prophesy to them, prophesy the spirit of God into them, and they began to live again. Speak, and I'm just making some comparison here. Things might look dead, but when you activate the spirit of God, or when we activate the spirit of God, which is the breath of God, my gosh, it will become a living thing. It will live again. It will rise again. Our ministry might look dead. Something in the family might look dead. But when God is in it and you speak to it and you speak the spirit of God and speak life to that thing, the, the breath of God, it, it will become living again. It will become whole. It will, it will begin to shake off the whole things. And you see the new thing, a new creature, you will see a living thing happening. You will see that thing begins to take form and transform for the glory of God. The breath of life, we all need that. We need his, the breath of his life. Not the world, not the systems. We all need his breath. The man's nostril, that's a gate. God was opening a gate. God was speaking into a gate because everything has a gate. And you speak to that gate, bam, then the man begins to live. Breath. That's why when the enemy wants to, when he wants to come, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take your breath. He wants to pull the breath of life, which is God out. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to cause you to be separated from the things of the spirit. And when you're separated from the things of your spirit, my God, I'm going to tell us this. We are spiritually dead. You might be walking and yes, but when you do not have the breath of God, which is the spirit of God and the things of God, come on, I'm telling you this, we will be spiritually dead. And that's what the enemy tried to destroy us with. Verse eight, then the Lord God planted, plant, um, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. He planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man. He had made God. This is what God did. He separated them. He made everything. But God placed, he said, my Bible is saying that he planted a garden in Eden. Is this big place? But he planted a garden in Eden, especially for man to dwell. He did, he, he, God did not just put man anywhere. What he did, he decided to create a special place for man to dwell. We cannot dwell anywhere when we are in God. We have to find that special place where God wants us to be. And the Bible said in, in a garden, Eden, in the east, it has to be an alignment. It has to be where God wants to be and in alignment with God. He could put him anywhere, but he put him in a garden in Eden, in the east. It'll come back to me. Okay. So he placed man in a particular place because he gave God. He had a plan for man or the man. And there he placed the man he had made. I said God can put, he could have put Adam anywhere, put the man anywhere, but he placed him in a particular place. Let's go farther. The Lord God made all sort of trees grew up from the ground. Tree that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruits. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That tells us clearly man was not placed in the middle. God created a section for man to be. But the tree of good and evil was placed in the middle. Why the middle? 
Why the middle? Why did God place a tree in the middle? Let's go farther. I'm going to back up to that scripture in a few, but I want us to get something. A river flow, flew from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing it into four branches. In the garden of Eden, there's this, this particular tree. Let's back up. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The tree of good and evil. And we will see as we go forward, we'll see that's the tree where man should not, was not to partake, but he did. I just want to get this point over. God put this particular tree in the center, but man was placed in a section. Then he went on to do some other stuff. The Bible said he, the river flew from the land of Eden, watering the ground, and then dividing, my gosh, a river flew from the land of Eden, watering the ground, then divided into four branches. The first branch called the Pison flew flowed around the entire land of Avila, where the goal is found. The, the goal of that land is exceptionally pure, aromatic. Mm. The second branch called Gishon, if I'm saying it right, flew around the entire land of Kush. The third branch called Tigris flowed east of the land of Ashur. And the fourth branch is called the branch is called the Euphrates. Then the Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. Let's stop there. God made all of these things. But then the Bible said something in verse 15 that the Lord placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over. When you're when God has given you an authority, tend and to watch over, God has given you dominion. You're 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 putting a position where you're supervising, you're in authority. This man was given authority to tend to those things like his own because it belongs to him and to watch over. But God warned him, you may freely eat the fruits of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Mm. Then the Lord God said it, it is no, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who, who is just right for him. God look around, God didn't see anything that looks like this man. So he had to make this a helper for this man. That's where we're going to see. Man is not supposed to be alone. Let me say this. A man is not supposed to be alone. So God went ahead. He said, I'll make a helper. There's always a, it is always a better when two people can walk together in God or agree in God. So the Lord caused God form. So the Lord God form from the ground and the wild animals and all the bird. I missed something. Okay. Yes. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God form from the, the ground. All the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose the name. Let's look at dominion here. God did not choose the name. God gave man the assignment because he gave man the dominion in the place where he's domiciled, the place where he's assigned to. God gave man the authority to legislate, to speak, to name, 
to have dominion. And look at this here. It's not just over one thing. All the ground, the Lord formed the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose the name for each. He gave names to all the livestock, the birds, and all the wild animals. But there was no helper just right for him. Let's stop there. God gave dominion, as I said to man. God gave us authority. Even though we are we are under God, but he still gave us the dominion. And when we allow the enemy to deceive us, that's what the enemy wants, to cause us to, to forget that God has given us dominion, to let us sit to walk in the earth in liberty, and to, in freedom. And when the enemy tried to trap us, we cannot have dominion. And there's the animal kingdom. There's the plant kingdom. There's the atomic kingdom. Let me show you something. I'm not straying away from something. From the scripture. You remember when God said to. This wasn't God. When Joshua said son to stand still. Joshua understand his authority. In God in the earth realm. When the axe said fell. And it went down. And the, one of the prophets cry. Elijah speak. Or he took the stick and he put it in the wall. And the axe said float. He understand is the authority over the steed. Over the. That a time of authority. When Elijah said, it shall be no rain, he understand his authority in God. When we do not understand our identity and our authority, we do not know to function. And when we lack the knowledge, Moses put a rod in the water and parted it. He said, Moses said, God, what should I do? He said, use what you have in your hands. Because he has given us the authority and the dominion in the earth realm. And Moses put that rod into the water and that rod became a key to unlock a door for the children of Israel to go forth and to go over what is our authority. Christ has redeemed us to walk in our authority where man has fell from, where, where Adam has caused us to fell from. And then we, we see sin. But Christ has redeemed us to walk in our authority. There is no weak person. When you are in God, you have to know your authority that you possess. God did not say to Adam, I'm going to name these things. He was supposed to tend and to watch over. And God bring everything to him to, to name because he has given him the authority. Let's go further. But still there was no helper just right for Adam. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of his, the man's rib, and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. I'm giving you my understanding of this, right? So please don't. A man falling into a deep sleep. I'm giving you my understanding of this, right? So please don't. A man falling into a deep sleep, a very deep sleep. And God taking a rib out of that man and closing up the womb. That For me, that man, for the understanding of this, when you're in a biblically or the biblical understanding of something is that when that happened, it means that the man 
it's a sleep of death, we will call it. And God closed the womb and this man was healed because life came out of him. And then the Lord God, the Lord made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man at last. And the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone. This is one, this is one of my bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. And she will be called woman because she was taken from man. I want us to look at something. Man needs to know their authority. A man is supposed to know their authority. I'm not saying that a man is supposed to abuse a woman. I have zero tolerance for that. But God called this man to love this woman. And he said, this woman is born from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And because she was taken from man, she is supposed to be loved by the man. Because that is what he's supposed to do. This explains why man leave his father and mother's house and join to his wife. And the two united in one. When the Bible talks about united, when a man and a woman, because um, the woman was taken out of the man, and then they become one. It means that it's one spirit. And let me say this very clearly. When something is affecting your husband or when your husband is going to be under attack, uh, wife is not for you to sit down because that for you will be under attack too. Likewise, the same because the two become one. It's one, two spirit becoming one. Now this man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. And I have to go to chapter three for what I wanted to do. The man and their wife was naked, but they felt no shame because the two is one and they're in God. Can someone find Ephesians 5, 28? I'm looking for it. I just want to show you guys something. I'm looking for it. I just want to show you guys something. Ephesians 5, verses 28. Have it. Can you read it, Miss Polly Pierhan? In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own flesh or own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. There's a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So you see where it first started, back in the garden. Because this woman came out of you. And I know I have like the dude and the other past me on the line. So that's the way God intended it to be. He put man into sleep. And that's what he did. I have to go into, um, can we go to um, Genesis chapter 3? Because I want to develop something in the story. Then we're going to go back to chapter 2. But I'm going to read. The man and the woman sinned. The serpent was the sh 
shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did, you, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Of course, we may eat from eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat from. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you did, you will die. You wouldn't eat the serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked delicious, she, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that point, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt ashamed. In chapter 2 at the ending, the Bible said they were not ashamed. But when let's go back to chapter 2, God said to Adam, I'm paraphrasing here, you shall not eat from the fruit, the tree in the middle. God did not say that to the woman. If my if somebody Bible has something different, please let me know because I'm reading from a different Bible. But God told Adam about this. But when let's go back to chapter two, God said to Adam, I'm paraphrasing here, you shall not eat from the fruit, the tree in the middle. God did not say that to the woman. If my if somebody Bible has something different, please let me know because I'm reading from a different Bible. But I, God told Adam about this. And Adam was the one who was supposed to enlighten the woman because he is the head and he did not do such. That's why the Bible always say Eve was deceived because she lacked the knowledge. But the very thing here, this very serpent went to the one that lacked the knowledge. And when you have someone that lacked the knowledge around you, that is very, let me put it this way, the enemy can slither himself or move through that person even to get to you. I hope I'm making sense. And then he was very cunning, put it in a very way. Did yes. God really say to you, you must not eat the fruit? And then she began to say, yes. Well, in this sense, she said, okay, well, okay, I'm not supposed to eat from this tree or whatever be the case. But the thing here is that Adam knew he was not supposed to eat from the tree. And he was, the Bible said he was with her and he did, he also ate the fruit from the tree. Miss Polly Pureheart, can you tell me if your Bible said that if Adam object to eating the fruit? I don't see where it says he objected to eating the fruit. Anybody with their any with their Bible is saying that Adam said, "Oh Eve, we should not eat this fruit." Anybody, any anybody with that type of version in their Bible? No. And this man knew of the command of God, and he disobeyed. Remember, there's a scenario whereby Satan fell from heaven, right? 
and he was on the earth realm and it was darkness but my understanding here tonight is that god wanted total obedience from mankind and the enemy come in a subtle way and the devil only wanted one person to obey him and he come in that form of the serpent and he said oh did god say to you you should not eat from the tree and he went to the woman you know they always say the woman is the weakest vessel because god had given adam dominion he said you are over these things you're so you are supposed to tend you're supposed to watch over eve came as a help meet a helper but God wanted total obedience. And when we do not have total obedience, we see the form, what happened. They ate from the tree, but what God instructed, if you eat from that tree, you will die. That was the command. And he could not have gone back on his word because he honored his word above his name in chapter two. He said, if anyone eat from the tree, I'm paraphrasing, you will die. And they ate from the tree and that came the fall of man because they were disobedient. God wanted total obedience. He has given you every single thing. He has given Adam and Eve every single thing or the man and the woman every single thing. But the one thing that looks good, he said, do not eat from it. He wanted total obedience. And that's where it caused the fall of man. At the moment, their eyes was open. And the, the ending of verse 2 said they were naked, but they was not ashamed. And the eyes was open. They suddenly felt Ashamed, they felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Because of the relationship Adam and Eve was created to add with, have with God, they were supposed to be pure before God, they were supposed to be holy before God, obedient before their God. But they began to, because their eyes was open. And they wanted, they was going, first of all, the, the serpent said to her, you will have not. And she wanted that knowledge. She was going after the knowledge. She wanted her eyes to be open. It doesn't matter how something looks. When God said, do not touch it, it's for our own good. And we want, we live in a world today whereby people are trying to, to get, oh, I want to create this. I'm going to create that. I'm going to create something that you can have, Um, you can go to the heavens and a whole lot of stuff not everything is good when God said do not do something it might look good it might sound good but he said do not be a part take of it he knows and he sees that what we cannot see and above all he wants our total obedience and sometimes it's just a test of us to see how we will operate and that's what God wants from us but we see here because of disobedience to God there was a fall, and it always have to be the things that look good and beautiful, always try to catch man, catch us all. And because of that fall, they felt that they were naked. Their eyes were open. Their perceptions are changing. They were, okay, I'm no more on. They were in a line with God. But because they because of what happened, they think, okay, I'm not like this anymore. I'm supposed to be like this. How am I? How can you see me like this? There was a shift in their understanding. Because whenever you're disobedient, you're out of place. You feel out of place. That glory that was upon them, because they were, they were carriers of the glory of God, that shifted.
let's go on. And when the cool evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Because they were in a line with God. They were seeing the way God see. They were perceiving the way God see. They were in alignment with God. Now, the, because they ate from the tree of good and evil, deception creeps in. So they're no longer in that alignment, believing what God is saying to them or who God say they are. Deception kick, kicks in, whereby they're seeing things from a, it's a double-minded something. Get, this is what the, the man said, or the, they both they said this. We heard you. He replied, I heard you walking. God called to who? The man first. He did not call the woman. He called to the man because that's the person he, he had the relationship with. He had the, the, the understanding with. I heard you walking and in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, who told you that? The Lord God asked, Haven't, have you eaten from the tree whose fruits I command you not to eat from? You see where why? God said, I command you not to eat from. Then the man replied, it was the woman you gave to me who gave, gave me the fruit. Wow, it was the woman that you gave to me. You see how the blaming thing come in? Because it was a tug and war. The spirit as well is at a tug and war. Does anybody have anything to say? I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't ask that. Does anybody have anything to say? I think that's an important point because, um, you know, he went first to the man. The man was accountable. And that's the order that he put in place is, you know, the man, then the woman and and so on. Of course, Christ and, and you know, the church first. But, um, you know, we and that's what happens in society now is men are not taking responsibility for what they're supposed to be responsible for. They're doing other things. And so God's order is getting disrupted and we see the result yes yes exactly the result will lead to deception the way results will cause people to blame god because totally adam said it was the woman you gave to me then the lord god asked the woman what have you done the serpent deceive you she replied she replied, the servant deceived me, sorry. She replied, that's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, growling, groveling, sorry, in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and, your, and her offspring. You see why I want us to look at you see why the enemy is always after your seed? You see why there's always a fight? Because it it was already God spoke it that this will come to pass. And when God speaks something, it is a manifestation of such. He said, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel destruction 
Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. This came naturally. In pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will surely rule over you. Who was supposed to be in control? Adam. Who would take the lead? Eve. That wasn't God's order. Adam was supposed to align because he had the relationship with God first. That is why men is supposed to have their relationship with the Lord. Our sons are supposed to be brought up in the Lord and not depart from it. I'm not, don't get me wrong. This, I know we have this thing with this feminist thing, but it's, take, it's being taken too far. But the man is supposed to align with the way and the plans of the Lord, even for his household, so that his household can have the balance that is family. The Bible tells about in Psalms that his children will speak at the gates for him. That is how it's supposed to be. God has given him everything and he's given us everything. Why are we not obeying? Why are we not aligning? Why is the world not aligning with the plans of God and the purpose of God? whenever there's a out of alignment whenever you're as i said before we are disobedient discouragement come deception come rejection come there will always be the enemy setting a trap to destroy man and there will always be a the woman trying to bruise the head of the serpent because of a simple fall of man death came about because that was god command that's why we have this that that's that that the spirit of death. But at, yet at the same time, yet at the same time, this very tree that was placed in the middle. Let's I'm gonna bring a comparison here. Who was hanged on a three? Christ. Curse is anyone that hangs on a three. The 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 um the Bible said curse is anyone that hangs on a tree because he was hung on a tree. The the pole whatever we might call it, it was made out of wood and what wood came from a tree. When, when I'm just, I know we're going to go for this, but I want to open our eyes to something. When Jesus went, take the last supper and he went into the garden, where did he, where, did, where was his fall to redeem us in the garden where he was arrested? Am I making sense? You see the comparison? Adam fell in the garden. Christ fell in the garden too, because that's where he was arrested. He went on a pole, the pole or the cross, sorry, the cross was made out of wood and that wood came from a tree and he came to do what redeemed us from everything. Verses 17, and the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I command you not to eat from the ground is cursed because of you and all your life you will struggle to scratch to scratch a living from it it will grow turns and thistles for you though you will eat of its grain by the sweat of your brows you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were for you were made from the dust and to the dust you will return let me stop there when Jesus was on the cross, what did he have on his head? And we are not so when we are, when we are in God and we know who we are in God, everything around us is supposed to have an easy access. 
And we are supposed to check ourselves or check along our line and to see where there's something causing a curse ground that Christ can redeem it because we have access to go before the, the King of Kings because Christ bear that weight. It's, it's come a torn. And the torn is a curse. Is he wear the crown of we see we have access to God in the world, the nations, everything. But when they're supposed to produce something, blood, sweat, tears, destruct, disobedient to God, they're tied to be from the sweat, a tarry part, because Adam, Adam was carrying the kingdom of, of the kingdom was upon him and he redeemed. So what that very torn on his head represent the curse ground that he redeemed us from. He redeemed us. From. So wherever we find that things is looking hard. We have access because Christ redeemed us. But when we are living in a fallen world, unless we accept the King of Kings and his redemption, because the weight of the kingdom, the weight of creation is upon Christ and him going on the cross to redeem us. That's why they have, they always call the Messiah the King of Thorns. Thorns speaks of pain. Thorns speaks of pain. Because let's, let's be real here. Somebody putting thorn upon your head. That's pain. What did God, what, what happened there? Adam was going to bring forth in pain. He was going to toil. He's going to bleeding. And Christ did that. There was a redemption happening there. An exchange. Whenever we come to God and we are sincere, he redeemed us. He takes our sin. He takes our pain away because Christ bare those things. And for you to bring forth or to, to the ground is torn, you're going to bring forth in pain. You're going to be pierced. And Christ was re Christ redeemed that. So we can speak to our situation. We can speak to our ground. We can speak in our generation and see where there's a, there are thorns. I'm just speaking prophetically here, where there are things that seems as torn and it is it's is at a place whereby it is it seems as a curse. The authority of that crown, the king of thorns, that's who he is, can redeem us. He can take that pain away. He can take that tear away. And our ground can become a fruitful place. Because God loves us so much that he had to send his son to redeem us because he wants us to be fruitful. That was his first command in Genesis 1. And we are, the powerful thing about it that we are in his image and likeness. I don't want to get ahead of anything, but let me see. I'm going to stop. Oh, let me go to this before I go I'm going to stop here for now. But let me say this. Whenever something is cursed, it is death. But Christ came and redeemed us from the curse. He bare the weight of our curse. He bare the weight of Adam's curse, the fall of the first creation. He bare that weight of the curse upon his head. Even though he, the crown also signifies his authority. And he's our king of kings. And he's the one who reigns over us and over all things so christ became the king of the curse that's the reason for the king the thorn on his head he was the he's he's the king of our past our brokenness he's the king of the rejected because this little piece here from genesis 3 where god was speaking to adam when you when your ground is cursed you're at a rejected place or when our ground is, we are at a rejected place. He's the king of our tears, our hearts, and our pain. He's the king when we fall to pick us up back. 
when we are being pierced, he's that king, that thorn on his head. That's why God had to send him. So when we fall, he comes as our redeemer. So when we are at a fallen place, we can come to him and find redemption because he's the one that wears the crown and he has the authority that Adam had in Genesis. Tonight I yield my mic and I want us to know because God, God sent his son Christ came. He turned our sorrows into joy, our death into life. Where the turn was, the ground was a, a place of turn because Christ redeemed it. We can speak to our situation. We can speak to anything that steams cursed. And it can be turned around and it can blossom. Whatever tonight it seems that is a place where it's broken, we speak to your situation. You have the greater one inside you. We have greatest he that is in us and he that is in the world. It can turn around. He came and redeemed us and gave us back our authority in him. So whatever you see that is not right in your neighborhood, in your territory, speak to it and see God move and turn it around. Where you're seeing there's murder, a lot of murder, domestic, whatever, speak to it in Christ Jesus and see God turn it around. We can speak to anything. Speak in your household. I see the king of turn that the redeemer come and turn it around in Jesus name. Amen. If there's any question, yeah, just I, it's open tonight. I'm sorry. This is this, this really gets to me. This is really deep for me. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Because if not in a moment, we can definitely take some prayer requests, but if you have something to say, please go ahead. Okay, does anybody have any prayer requests before we close in prayer? Thank you so much for that message, Crown Call Chosen. Um, uh, very appropriate, very helpful. We thank you for that. Ms. Polly Pierre-Hart. I pray for, uh, act for prayer for discernment, guidance, protection, and uh, us to recognize eyes to see, ears to hear, spirit of discernment, because we're all in a, a bunch of gardens with a lot of trees. Okay, and one thing that I was reading too, um, related to this, is that Eve, you know, they had spent a while in the garden, and so she actually knew all the animals that were present, and she, she knew the serpent and of the serpent and his characteristics, and we need to make sure that you know, he may not appear to us as a serpent. Satan can appear in a lot of different forms, but we have to be careful. We have to know what's around us and to just be careful and not just accept things at face value because the um, devil's certainly cunning. And, you know, the attacks are just going to get more and more. That's true. Amen. Yes, definitely. I sit there and I listen keenly. Um, one of the things that I pick up is that what happened to Adam, Adam was given a full package when God and hands, it was a complete package. He just had to follow the principles and go through with it. But even though he was 
where God created him to be, he was out of contact. And that is what happened to many of us today as Christians. We, we are at a place where we, 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 yeah, we know God, we know there is a God, we love God, but we disconnect or we allow things to disconnect us. The spiritual part of it from God. Now, he was given a responsibility. Nothing happened when nothing happened when Eve picked the pick the apple. But the enemy is so cunning, and we gotta be so careful because the enemy would look at us when we are looking at things that seems to be attractive. And if we are not, even though we are in God, we can still be connect disconnected spiritually from Him. And at that time, we need to stay spiritually connect because we need to know everything that is happening around us because God gave Adam that authority. The mere fact that he gave Adam the authority to name the animals, he gave Adam the authority to, 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 to know things, to discern things. But you see, when we disconnect, when we allow things to disconnect us from the, from, from and there we go again with, 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 with about the presence of God, it is so important. The presence of God is so important. Now, I believe the serpent, it was an animal, if I may say, it, it, it maybe it was a, a very attractive animal because I think it used to stand on his tail. And, and, and Satan realized that, you know what, even though Adam was right there in the place that God created him to be, he was out of contact with God. So he could not have seen when she picked the fruit or where she would have picked that fruit from. And because he was out of contact with God, the devil, the enemy, used that opportunity wrong so that he can get to eat. And through that same, through that same animal that she used to be looking at, he speak to that animal to her. And sometimes, and sometimes in, in, in our family, there might be there might be somebody who is, you know, you know, you, you go out for that person, but the person might be doing something to distract you at the time. I mean, I don't want to go, I can I can go, but that's just my take tonight. Prophetess, well done. I that, that was a very good topic and the discussion was very powerful and I think it is very deep. Anyone else? Professor Gigi, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Any prayer requests? Just please you can put it in a chat and you can just unmute your mic. Um, I would say I think we need, you know, as Pastor Leon said, we need to ask for discernment and for um, opening our eyes to distractions that might want to take us away from our connection with Christ. Because right now um, we can see that there's, there's so many distractions, even in that, in the fact that, you know, Adam was given a responsibility and right now we see that God did tell Adam to work in the garden. 
you know, he had a job to do and, and bringing it to our time. We see a lot of times that um, men will take their jobs more seriously <laughs> than they take their family. You know, they're, they're distracted by, and, you know, of course we have to, you know, men in general have to work for a living. Everybody does, especially nowadays. But I think that one of the distractions is they invest the time that they should invest in God, in that connection and in with their families. They invest maybe too much in their jobs. Although that is a responsibility, you know, we need to understand that there's a hierarchy and there's a priority and that should be God first, you know, then um, his family and then work. And, um, you know, I think it's been reversed a lot of times in, in, in our culture and our society right now. And that's why there's so much um, deception and, you know, the um, headship of the family is not there. And, you know, of course, we have a lot of a lot of fatherless families, unfortunately, due to that, you know, lack of responsibility and and the enemy breaking that contact with God. So I think that's, you know, that's a prayer we all need to need to make sure we, we prioritize in all our lives. Amen. I want us to know something. When we disobey, when the enemy can have one person to obey him, he can have an entire generation. One person, Adam or Eve um, was deceived. Adam obeyed because Adam was given the command and he, he, he was disobedient to God, but he obeyed the enemy, his generation. I want the, Something just dropped in my spirit. Remember when Christ was before his death, the Bible said he toiled in prayer. And the Bible talks about his sweat. He was at a place where when he was in Gethsemane and he was toiling in prayer and sweat was appeared to be blood. Drip falling from, from him to falling to the ground. What did God say to Adam? By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground. That's where... It is in the same context God came to redeem us the same way. He came, Christ came as the second Adam. So do not take the work or do, let us not take the work or Christ going on that cross lightly. Anything can turn around, but we have to want to come to that place in him. Amen. So since there's no any more prayer requests, I was just going to pray because I didn't know I was that late. Oh Lord God, thank you, Father, because you're God. Father, we thank you tonight because Christ is our redemption. We are ransom of the Lord. We have passed from curse to blessing because we are ransom. And Lord, you are our ransom. We are redeemed from the curse and the blessings of Abraham's is ours. 
We are redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. We are redeemed from destruction. We are redeemed from death, hell, and the grave. Our family is redeemed. Our community is redeemed right now for Jesus. We are redeemed for the Lord. Our nation is redeemed. The heavens is redeemed. The east, west, north, and south is redeemed in the name of Jesus. We are redeemed and we are crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy. Because, Father, that's your word in Psalms 103. Oh, my God, verses 4. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Curses anyone that hangs on a tree. And Christ redeemed us. We are redeemed from the curse of poverty tonight. I prophesy that our family, we break the back of poverty in the name of Jesus. Every form of poverty, every manifestation, every we speak to the earth because we have the authority to speak. And we speak to the earth and we command poverty to be uprooted in the name of the redemption power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. I am. Father, tonight we are redeemed from any form and our family members is redeemed from every, from all curse of insanity and madness. It's redeemed from all curses of fear and terror. We are redeemed from all curse of pride and rebellion. Our children are redeemed from pride and rebellion. We speak over the atmosphere of the month. We command we are our family members, our environment, the atmosphere, the catastrophe, the region and the domain is redeemed from the curses of pride and rebellion. Father, we are redeemed from every double-mindedness right now in any decision that we have to make. We are redeemed from all curses of rejection, abuse. We are redeemed from all curses of family destruction. I speak tonight at every plan of the enemy to cause family destruction, destruction in marriages, destruction in, in, in homes, in ministry, in our neighborhood. We are redeemed by the power of the Messiah the blood of Jesus, the altar of the Messiah, which is the cross and the name that is above every other name. We command it to speak, manifest, and we command power in the name of Jesus right now. I speak that we are redeemed. We come in agreement on this line that we are redeemed from all curses of witchcraft and idolatry. Father, every curse of witchcraft and idolatry in our community, in our neighbor, in our nation, let it be brought down in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, we redeem from all curses of failure and frustration. We are redeemed from errors and mystic. Our children will not make errors and mystic. We command that curse of error and mystic that comes through the family line. We command the cycle to be broken in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of that name. We decree tonight that we are redeemed from the pestilence we redeem from curses, confusion, and rebuke, and sin, and reapproach in the name of Jesus. Father, you let that be around, that they will not come near our family, our children, wherever they be, our family members, our aunts, our uncles, niece, whoever it be, pull them back from those things. Because we are, we are under the generation, and we in the kingdom of God. Because you bear the weight. Father, sickness and disease right now, whatever is it in our body, from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet, we redeem from it because Deuteronomy 28, verses 22 says so. Father, we redeem from any anything that is not of you. We are redeemed from the oppression and the spoilers. We, we command that our oppressors become captive now in the name of Jesus. And we are redeemed from having no strength. I speak to us spiritually, physically, and I command that the strength of the Lord which is the breath of life, the spirit of God and moving us in the name of Jesus. 
We we redeemed even when the plague is coming, it shall not come near our dwelling. Father, even as the plague comes, it will not come because you have redeemed us. And we live in the realm of the blood of Jesus that covers us and our family. No plague shall not come near because we are redeemed in the name of Jesus. Father, we are redeemed from sickness and disease. Every disease that the enemy has, that has been set up or is even formed by man. Tonight, I Every person on this end and those that are listening under the sound of my voice and the voice of the Lord above all, we are redeemed from all form of disease in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you tonight because you redeemed us. No fear in the day, no fear in the night. We are redeemed from our life hanging in doubts tonight. Wherever there's any doubt, we redeem from that. We redeem from the bondage. We redeem from our desolate places tonight. We are redeemed because the Redeemer is mighty. And Father, tonight we want to thank you because you, we, you plead our case. You make intercession, Lord Jesus, on our behalf. And because our Redeemer gives us everlasting kindness and mercy. And Father, because you are a Redeemer and you have turned away our transgression and that which of our family line. Father, thank you for redeeming us from all our trouble. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. 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 Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Well, God be with you till we meet again. And I love you. And ain't nothing you can do about it. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you for joining Crown Call Chosen for Bible Study. If you were not able to join this Bible study, you can still listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, send your prayer requests to cpl at crazyprayerladies.com. Please join Crown Call Chosen for Bible Study next week on Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. For more details, email cpl at crazyprayerladies.com.